Back to the Jenna Julian podcast, 2K19, baby. Cheers. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We out here in 2019, back with another podcast. Welcome, guys. Happy New Year and welcome. I feel welcome. Oh, well, also welcome you. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Farmer's Dog. Love your pets. Start feeding them great, amazing, healthy food. Provided by Farmer's Dog. It is a company that delivers pre-made whole ingredient dog food to you at your house. So you don't have to go to the store and find it. And uh, it's a customized meal plan for your pet. So you can give them the food that they love. Our dogs are crazy for it. We feed them... The food of Samets. The food of Samets. It is the food of Samets. We feed them Farmer's Dog and we have ever since Farmer's Dog. Sponsor the podcast right now. Get 50% off your two-week trial of fresh, healthy food at thefarmersdog.com slash Jenna Julian. Thefarmersdog.com slash Jenna Julian. Also, guys, a new sponsor this week. If you're looking to get your fitness resolution on track and you're you're nervous about signing up for one gym or committing to one thing uh, with all the membership fees and the monthlies and the this and that, Look no further because Class Pass is an all-access membership to over 14,000 of the best gyms and fitness studios all over the world. And what they do is you sign up with Class Pass and you pay just starting at $15 and you can cancel any time uh, per month. But you pay that month, that monthly fee, and what you do is you get access to all the different options for gyms, for classes. Uh, you can do yoga, strength training, spin, bar, whatever you – even boxing. They have all sorts of options. Right now, get your first month for free by going to classpass.com slash try slash Jenna Julian. That's classpass.com slash try slash Jenna Julian or click the link below. It is a really cool idea actually because it's like signing up for a gym without committing to one gym and mm-hmm. you get all the options. Also, guys, Postmates – if you're done working out and you want a burger <laughs> or pizza or healthy food or anything from the grocery store, Postmates is there. Deliver it to you 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Postmates does not take a day off. They are ready to deliver to you all the time. It is a great service. We use it all the time. Postmates is giving you $100 of free delivery credits for your first seven days when you sign up and use code Jenna Julian on the Postmates app. Check it out. Thank you, sponsors. Thank you, sponsors. Pretty rad. Well, Julian, how was your break? We back. We're back. We're back. I I feel good. Okay, Kirk. Um, I f- I feel refreshed and excited to come back. The break, you know, I don't think any vacation or time off ever goes exactly how you think it's gonna go. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was good, and like I feel good, and I'm happy to be back. I did miss the podcast. I missed you guys. I just posted my first video of the year, and we streamed a little bit. And where she wrote, you wrote your first radio show of the year. Yeah, I have not done a, a main channel video yet this year, but that, I'd say that's the main source of my stress about going back to work because that is like it's really taxing after fifty weeks in a row. You know, I was really ready for a yeah. couple weeks off from that. Okay. You can put him in his bed, okay? Because there's Kermit. a bed for dogs on the floor. Um, no, he wants to be in my shirt. He can. He can be in my shirt. He wants to go back to where he came from. That's not right. Right in my shirt. That's not right. <laughs> um, but like, I don't know. I, I I had a really great time with my family, which is really special because I don't get to see them very often. Yeah. And uh, 
with the my niece and nephew, which is really fun. And four year old and the one year old. I got to do just enough amount of nothing to where I needed a mental break and just to relax. And you know, we watched a movie. We, we watched, watched a movie. We watched Bird Box. I, only because we watched two movies technically. We I did. Watched Black Mirror. That's kind of a movie. Oh yeah, Bandersnatch. Yeah, fantastic. By the way, um, I wasn't a super fan of Bird Box. Nor was I. Well, the only reason that I wanted to watch it was a because it was on Netflix, and b because I wanted to understand the memes that everyone was tweeting. I felt really left out, so we sat down and watched it, and I thought it was scary the whole time. But there's so many plot holes, and it really bothered me. <laughs> it also reminded me too much of The Happening by I'm not. I'm like Shyamalan. Featuring Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, Mark Wahlberg. Walking, everyone walking backwards. <laughs> and Mark Wahlberg doesn't know what's Trying going on. Trying to kill me in my sleep bar. You what? No, ma'am, we're not. <laughs> what else did she say? Something like that. And she's like, what? No. Favorite, you remember that clip? Yeah. No, the only thing I remember from that movie is that guy riding the tractor. He gets off and then runs himself over. Oof. Sorry. Yeah, it was just a little bit of a, I don't know, I've seen that concept before. Sandra Bullock, fantastic. Amazing to see 10 out of 10, a Sandra younger Bullock. generation finally appreciate Sandra Bullock. I appreciate her when we, I know who, when I, when I know it's her. We know you do. Yeah. You of all people appreciate Sandra Bullock, Julie Roberts, and Anne Hathaway they more are, than most. They're a good person. <laughs> it was a good, it was an entertaining movie. There were parts of it mm. that were like cool and fun and, you know, a little scary. I just don't like scary stuff. I don't prefer it. Well, I didn't know I it was going to be scary. I don't think that was a scary movie. I don't think that would I be classified scared. as a horror movie. I don't like feeling fear at all, even in the slightest. So it wasn't for me. Fair enough. <laughs> there were there were moments though where I appreciated because I thought that they were cool. You know, yeah, it totally. was it was entertaining. But yes, I agree. A lot of plot holes, and I think it was way overhyped. But Bandersnatch, on the other hand, fantastic. Yeah, so cool. But I just think it was nice that like we had some moments to like lounge around yeah that was the point yeah we watched and watch some stuff we yeah. wouldn't usually watch although we, we would always watch black mirror but like we would a movie on netflix is not really something that we would do just because no we like we'll we'll more than likely go into the game room and play some games yeah and if we were to usually watch movies it would come maybe at the end of a weekend night in the living room but this was like nah we woke we up and bed. we stayed in bed yeah and we stayed in bed so all day that no, was good i think i think we put a lot of uh, energy towards actually focusing on relaxing, shutting and doing off, nothing. Yeah, and it was bit. good because I do feel, yeah. I feel good. I feel good to go. I know. Well, I feel like you're kind of one of those people that has a hard time like doing nothing because oh you always God. feel like you need to be doing something. Whereas me, I'm like desperate to get everything done so I can do nothing. It's so I will I furiously do anything it takes to get to nothing. It is so hard for me to like. You've taught me the the skill of nothing. Yeah. Of sloth. And it like, doesn't serve for nothing. It's nothing, but it doesn't serve for nothing. Dude, it is hard for me to do that. I'm telling you, like, imagine trying to, like, literally do nothing, but then every ounce of your being is just like, well, we could do this, or we could do that, <laughs> or what if we got ahead with this, or ooh, here's an idea, here's a New Year's resolution, what about writing down this? My New Year's resolution is to grow seven inches taller, so I might as well just lay down and rest, because that's the only way it's probably going to happen. I can do it. I believe in me. No, I, you can't. I can do it. No, you can't. Yes, I can. I okay. believe in me. All right. I bet you a million dollars that you can't do it. I said doll hairs. I was going to say you have a million dollars to just to pet people with. Who are you? I don't know. Oh my God. Doll hairs. Oh, okay. Doll hairs. Doll hairs. Not dollars. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway. Anyways. Anyways. So, although we did watch one movie... 
your girl downloaded all of season. Well, okay, here's the thing. This doesn't need to be talked about at all. It's stupid. I'm the only one with this problem, I imagine. But I have Hulu. I have, um, we have Voodoo because we got that to watch uh, Jersey Shore. <laughs> we have Voodoo, yeah. And, um, oh my God, that's that is. I was trying to remember why we got Voodoo, and that's why it was to watch to Jersey watch Jersey Shore because <laughs> we don't have cable anymore. Yeah, we don't have cable, so sometimes we have to do some weird stuff. So I always have this problem, and please tell me it's not just me that I'll download something on the iTunes Store to watch it, like when I'm doing cardio, like on my iPad or you know whatever, and then I'm like on my couch or something, and I'd like to watch it on my TV. And I can't because you can't Chromecast something from Apple. Like, I don't have an Apple TV, you know? And I feel like at this point, I just have, like, a collection of pieces of shit, that none of which will just go to my TV, you know? Well, unless you have an Apple TV, all of that is either watched on your iPad on a plane or it sits on your iPad and doesn't Well, this is one of the reasons that we talked about that I was I was drinking some wine when you were on an LMT, the whole reason I watched Casablanca. And I was like, all right, I'm going to watch Gone with the Wind another weekend. But I was it was on my phone because I couldn't put it on the TV. And I'm like, well, I can't watch this on my phone. It's making me feel weird. Like Watching Casablanca on your phone feels like a terrible, <laughs> like I'm not doing it any justice like watching Avatar whatsoever. on your iPod. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. I just felt weird and bad about it, so I stopped. Anyways, I was I had been watching Ancient Aliens, although on Hulu and on iTunes it says it's like season 13 or something, but on Vudu and on other platform it says it's like season 11. It was very confusing to try and find the season that I was watching, the most current season, the one in 2018. So I had not watched the entire thing because although I had already downloaded it on Apple and intended to watch it while I was doing cardio, which takes me, you know, at 30 minutes to an hour every time I'm in there, it's really difficult for me to do cardio and watch ancient aliens because I'm so invested in what they're saying and what's going on that I start pedaling really slow on my yeah. bike. So I'm really yeah. not helping myself whatsoever. So I was like, I have some free time right now. I'm going to knock out the rest of these episodes, right? So I go to put them on my TV, on my Apple, iTunes, can't do it. Okay, let me download it on Voodoo. All right, so Julian's in the other room playing Tarkov, which I can't play because I'm not good at it. So I'm just in the room by myself watching ancient aliens. And... Because it's one of your guys' favorite things, I thought I would bring to you from the most recent episode, series, series, season of Ancient Aliens, some of the more interesting things that I had not heard before so that I enjoyed. So this is effectively our next installment of Conspiracy Theory. Yeah, I guess so. And I mean, you know, a disclaimer... As always, I guess, these are just for fun. I'm not telling anyone to believe anything. And these are more just like some interesting thoughts. There's not even really a whole lot of theories in here, I'd say. And, you know, I just, I always like conspiracy theories just because I like to know what someone else thinks and how they got there and why they think that and just find them interesting. I'm not trying to spread any misinformation. So It's uh, purely out of entertainment and... But also, we're educating you. This is this is fact. What we say goes. <laughs> we are the conspiracy professors. Oh my god! No, we're not. So. No, um, I don't watch Ancient Aliens, but when I I think it's super fun. When I'm in the room, and it's on, and I'm not doing anything, I'm listening and exposing myself to the show. So there are parts of it that I feel like 
are intriguing. Yeah. And there are parts of it that I feel like are really reaching. Exactly. So. Well, I think even fans of the show, like myself, agree with that statement. And like some of it is to like a point completely laughable. Like you at one point came into the living room and I was fucking screaming and dying laughing. Because there's an episode, you know, like a lot of them where they're in Egypt, they're in Giza and oh they're looking God. at the pyramids. And the end, the ending scene of this, right, is he's with, I think, Raman Romani or something. He's a... Egyptologist expert, whatever. Egyptologist? You, yeah, whatever, however you say that. No. I'm not making fun of it. I just never heard that word in my life. Egyptologist. <laughs> let, me, let me look it up really quick. This is how much I know. Egyptologist. 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 Do I have internet up here? Yeah, an Egyptologist is an any archaeologist, historian, linguist, or art historian who specializes in Egyptology. I want to be a New Mexologist. <laughs> New Mexicologist. Boy, what do you know about New Mexico that makes you a New Mexologist? Louisianologist. Oh, okay. South Dakotologist. I think that one's... Not North Dakotologist, <laughs> only South. Well, South Dakota is really fun. Part of South Dakotology is that there is no North Dakotology. I don't, you know, and I think that's spreading misinformation. You better be careful. This audience is very, they, they don't... This is a private meeting, get out. <laughs> Um, okay, anyways, so in the last scene of this episode, you yeah. know, because they, they, they go to Egypt and they talk about the pyramids for all of, all of this, every season of Ancient Aliens, they talk about. Every of the season. Yeah, different aspects of it. But, well, one of the things that I do mention is, you know, one of those things that came from that episode. But it was really funny because at the end of the episode, there's this beautiful shot of Giorgio Sukalos and... Roman Romani, I forget his actual name. I apologize. The Egyptologist, the Egypt spec, uh, expert, sitting at this like cafe at like sunset, like dusk, like this beautiful Golden setting right in front yeah. of the pyramids. And it is just stunning. And they're sitting there clearly like at a table facing each other. The pyramids are in the background. And then they're having this really deep conversation. You know, the, the episode's over. So they're sort of like speculating about what this means in the future and hoping that people will like go back and sort of re-question everything that they know about Egyptology. They're filming the wrap-up. Yeah, they're filming the wrap-up. And I see in... I feel so bad that I don't know his name. Romani's hand is like creeping up this hookah, right? Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, is that is that a, is that a hookah pipe? You know, and yeah. and they keep sort of panning back to these like normal shots of the two of them just nodding their heads. And I'm like, no way, he's just gonna like blow that hookah vape just like into the pyramids of Giza. And the episode literally ends. He's like. Yeah, I'm just, I'm really hoping that, you know, in the future we can really go back and study what this means. And he's like, <laughs> chucks a fat cloud at the Pyramid of Giza. And it's like, do, 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 roll credits, do, do, ancient aliens, do. Honestly, I don't know why I've never ended an episode of LMT that way. It was it's it like was, a great like I was screaming. Visual. I was screaming it like but like as yeah. a fan of the show, like yeah. I enjoy it. I enjoy it for all of its like some of its, you know, thought provoking, some of its funny, some of its clearly a reach and whatever. Like you don't have to believe it, but I find it really fun to watch. And that was just to me like one of my favorite moments of that show. Yeah, and, and no show ever makes <laughs> makes that the ending scene of an episode when they when they're taking Without being a little self aware. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. It was great. Anyways, 
I will get into some of the things that I found interesting that I had not heard of prior. And if I hadn't heard of them, chances are maybe you haven't heard of them either and would find them a little bit interesting. Now, some of this I just pulled directly. Like for this whole first part, I just pulled some of this directly from Wikipedia. So there's not even really like, I'll just read. Cool. Go for it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I'll so chime in. Like I'll, hey, in, I'll interrupt it. you. So the first thing that I found interesting was when they were, I think it was the episode called Earth's Black Holes, which was fun, fun episode, uh, because most of us have heard of the Bermuda Triangle, right? And I think even in a past podcast, we had talked about the presence of another triangle called the Dragon Triangle off the coast of Japan or the Devil's Sea south of Japan. Hmm. You heard you heard of that one too? Mm, can't remember. It's like a simu- similarly shaped Triangle, well, it's like much longer, where ships and planes, I think mostly ships, have been reported mysteriously missing. All of them that ever go across that No, spot. not all of them. Oh, okay. Just like the Bermuda Triangle. It's like not... People fly across that thing all the time. Oh, I don't, really? I, I don't know, know how that. that works. Yeah. But it's like there have been things, weird things that have happened mm-hmm. that people haven't found the wreckage of the ship, but mm-hmm. it's not like a... You can't go there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. Anyways. Um, so there's something called the vile vortices, which according to Wikipedia, a vile vortex is any of 12 purported peculiar geographic areas arranged in a pattern around the earth. The term was coined by Ivan T. Sanderson, who cataloged them as sites of unexplained disappearances and other mysterious phenomena. Ivan T. Sanderson asserts that the 12 vortices, famously the Bermuda Triangle, are situated along particular lines of latitude. Five of the vortices are on the same latitude south of the equator, and five are on the same latitude to the north. The other two are the North and the South Poles, which we've gone through that in other podcasts or, you know, I'm sure a lot of you know, there's plenty of fun things going on in the North and South Poles that people have theorized have to do with magnetic fields and blah, 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 whatever. Fun, fun. Uh, The idea has been taken up uh, by other fringe writers who have argued that the vortices are linked to subtle matter energy, ley lines, or electromagnetic aberration. The phenomenon is addressed as Ge- geometric patterns as explored by Plato in the book Anti-Gravity and the World Grid, which now I want to read because I did not know that that was the book. Anyways, here are the vile vortices. The Bermuda Triangle, mm-hmm. which I think people are familiar with. Uh, the Algerian megaliths south of Timbuktu. The Indus Valley, which is in the city of Mohenjo-Daro in Pakistan. That's the, on land. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, like, there, five of them are on the same latitude in the north, and five of them are, are on the same latitude exact. in the south. Well, I'll show you a picture, okay, yeah. and I, maybe I can link to these or something in the description so you can see. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not telling you to think anything. I think it's a fun picture, okay? <laughs> the Hamakulia volcano is east of Hawaii, and it's an underwater volcano. Some of these I've written more about because some of them don't have a lot of information on them. Like, what exactly are the disappearances that you're referring to yeah. that you came up to? These are vile vortices. Some of them have more information than others. Like, obviously, the Bermuda Triangle has more information than the Indus Valley. But this is just according to Ivan T. Sanderson. Uh, the volcano east of Hawaii is an underwater volcano that has been the site of this is claiming is multiple disappearances, both from sea as well as the sky. 
the Devil's Sea, which is south of Japan. So here's this. In 1974, American paranormal writer Charles Berlitz introduced the Devil's Sea in his book, The Bermuda Triangle. Berlitz claimed that the that nine modern ships and several hundred crews were lost without traces between 1950 to 1954. And in 1955, the Japanese government sent Kayu Maru No. 5 to the sea for investigating unexplained ship losses, but this ship vanished as well, which is similar to the Bermuda Triangle, that incident with the planes that went in and then they sent another plane in to go look for it and that one disappeared as well. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. After the incident, Japanese authorities have labeled the sea as a danger zone. In, eight, in 1989, Berlitz claimed that the Devil's Sea is also called the Dragon's Triangle in his book, The Dragon's Triangle. Berlitz continued by theorizing that five Japanese military vessels disappeared while on maneuvers near Japanese shore in early 1942. Here's some criticism, though. In Daniel Cohen's 1974 book, Curses, Hexes, and Spells, it's reported that legends of the of the danger of the Dragon's Triangle go back for centuries in Japan, and uh, its most famous casualty was the number five Kayumaru, a scientific research vessel which disappeared with the loss of all hands on September 24th, 1952. But with such a dramatic history, one would expect there'd be all sorts of information on the subject, especially in Japan. But a search completed by Skeptoid author Brian Dunning for books, newspaper, and magazine articles on the Dragon's Triangle came up completely empty until a full 20 years after the loss of the Kayumaru. Apparently, the story, even the very existence of this legendary named region, was not invented until very recently. Research also explores natural environmental changes as the cause of such controversial anomalies in the Dragon's Triangle. One of the explanations is the vast field of methane hydrates present in the bottom of the ocean in the Dragon's Triangle area. Methane clathrates, whatever that is, methane hydrate, hydrates gas or something like that, it will explode when it rises above 18 degrees Celsius or 64 degrees Fahrenheit. <clears throat> methane hydrate gases are described as ice-like deposits that break off from the bottom and rise, forming bubbles on the surface of the water. These gas eruptions can then in, uh, interrupt buoyancy and can easily sink a ship, leaving no trace of debris. Another explanation for this paranormal activity could be undersea volcanoes that are very common in this area. It's quite characteristic for small islands in the Dragon's Triangle to frequently disappear and new islands to appear due to both volcanoes and seismic activity. It should also be noted that because of the location of the Dragon's Triangle is not plotted on any official world map, the size and perimeter may vary from one source to another. Hmm. Underwater volcanoes. Hmm. That's wild mm. to well, think about. Those exist, isn't it? Like <clears throat> all the seismic plates and stuff when all the yeah, yeah. liquid hot forming, magma comes up and you make new islands. Forming new, yeah, forming Hell new. Yeah. yeah. Wait, so um, how would the methane hydrate leave no trace if it destroyed like a ship? You know, I don't know. Because I feel like if it, if it exploded a ship because it like reached a... There'd be some debris. Yeah, or yeah, some know. sort of remnants of... I don't know. Some explosion. Okay. Well, this is what it says on Wikipedia. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. No idea. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm with it. I'm another with it. another one <laughs> of the vile vortices is the South Atlantic anomaly, which is really interesting to people that like space, that like electromagnetic fields, that like UFOs, that like all this stuff. This is why it's really fun to me. The South Atlantic anom- anomaly 
is an area where the Earth's inner Van Allen radiation belt comes closest to the Earth's surface, dipping down to an altitude of 200 kilometers. This leads to an increased flux of energetic particles in this region and exposes orbiting satellites to higher than usual levels of radiation. Oh, shit. The effect is caused by the non-concentricity, like non-concentricity, whatever, of the Earth and its magnetic dipole. The SAA, or South Atlantic Anomaly, is near is the near-Earth region where the Earth's magnetic field is weakest relative to an idealized Earth-centric dipole field. Okay, so here's what a, a Van Allen, the, the radiation belt is. It basically looks like, if you can imagine, a bow tie. Earth is the center of it, and the radiation belt sort of bows out to either, either side. side yeah. A Van Allen radiation belt is a zone of energetic charged particles, most of which originate from the solar wind, that are captured by and held around a planet by that planet's magnetic field. Earth has two such belts that comes out, like the bow tie, and sometimes others may be temporarily cre- created. The discovery of the belts is credited to James Van Allen, and as a result, Earth's belts are known as the Van Allen belts. The South Atlantic anomaly is one of great significance to astrono- astronomical satellites and other spacecraft that orbit the Earth at several hundred kilometers altitude. These orbits take satellites through the anomaly periodically, exposing them to several minutes of strong radiation caused by the trapped protons in the inner Van Allen belt. Okay, stay with me. (laughs) Astronauts are also affected by this region, which is said to be the cause of peculiar shooting stars, uh, phosphenes, seen in the visual field of astronauts. So I guess there's a lot of claims of astronauts. Hold on. An effect termed the cosmic ray visual phenomena passing through the South Atlantic anomaly is thought to be the failures of the Global Star Network satellites in 2007. But back to the uh, cosmic ray visual phenomena. I guess uh, it's been reported that they'll see like flashes of light even with their eyes closed. Astronauts. Yes. While they're out in space. Yes. Okay. So... I think that, that that's explained or it can be scientifically explained. But, you know, for people that like that kind of thing, they're like, ooh, it's aliens. Maybe it's something. Wait, so their eyes can be shut and they'll still see? Yeah, apparently. Apparently there's been reports. So I have like a question. Can I ask you a question? Hold on. Let me just finish okay. this. The Pamela experiment, experiment while passing through the South Atlantic <clears throat> anomaly detected anti-proton levels that were orders of magnitude higher than expected. This suggests that the Van Allen belt confines antiparticles produced by the interaction of the Earth's upper atmosphere with cosmic rays. NASA has reported that modern laptops have crashed when the space shuttle flies, uh, flies through uh, the anomaly. Um, so go ahead. So if it's exposing itself, the anomaly, if it's exposing itself to satellites, right? Or satellites are exposing themselves to the anomaly. Or yeah, whatever, yeah, that way. Um, these satellites, would they lose signal? Are they, are they transmitting a constant video feed? Like how, well, is think, there any sort of proof in what the satellites like are responsible for? Well, that's, that's sort of what I just read, read to you is that it's sort of like the Bermuda Triangle, right? Like. Lots of things can pass through without a problem yeah. or like be around it, but there have been some anomalies that have occasionally happened because of the higher level than normal radiation. Okay. Because of the magnetic field. Okay. I don't think it's like an all the time thing. Okay. Although I think on Wikipedia it says that the one of the space stations or something like frequently accounts for it, but others don't. Like other satellites and other things don't account for it. And you might have like a dropped feed or something. Or... Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I feel like in space, like when you have these satellites out there that mm-hmm. are just floating, 
and they're unmanned, right? There's no there's no um, astronauts regularly on there. Maybe they get they get visited from time to time. I don't know how that works. I don't whatever. But I don't really know either. There are these unmanned I'm like have to read more Wikipedia. Basically, drones, right? <laughs> For lack of a better term, out there. Mm-hmm taking photos or doing whatever imaging that they're doing. Yeah, I don't work at NASA. I don't know how this I works. know. This all is so interesting to me because even without like the conspiracy part of it, just like the the base level of like how things operate in space yeah. is crazy to think about. Well, even NASA, like you, there's just things you can't account for. You there's know? Things you, that's what I'm saying. So yeah. like my question is like, and I guess it's not, it's sort of rhetorical, but like, you know, the, supposedly these satellites are going through this zone of whatever you want to call Van it. Van Allen belts. Van Allen belts yeah. with all this radiation, not radiation. Yeah, it's, radiation. that's what it's like. Yeah, radiation. Yeah, radiation. Um, but like, yeah, like what if something happens to where you can you can account for something going wrong based on the recording being altered or some sort of image or whatever being transmitted in a different way or a weird way or a weird pattern or something cuts out or the power yeah, just breaks. Just weird things happen. Yeah, and like... Yes, this is totally likely in my mind because I know nothing. That's totally likely, but so is like the sky's the limit. Mm-hmm. The sky, the universe is the limit. It's past the sky. Right. You know what I mean? Like there's so many different things that could be just. It just kind of bends my mind to yeah. think about it a little well, bit. Well, what I like about some of these theories, though, is that like this is all really scientific and real. You know, this is accepted that solar winds can affect the Van Allen belt or whatever. You know that that they act a little weird sometimes because science is weird. It's yeah. on a subatomic level and and on a huge fucking level. Like yeah. science is weird it's sometimes. Crazy, yeah. There's just some stuff that we can't fully figure out or explain. But like, why is that okay? But like, if if a plane disappeared in a Bermuda Triangle, it's complete nonsense. You know, like why can't there be things that we can't explain that are just around? Well, so I mean, to kind of bring back the that's Bermuda, why I like this. Stuff. Well, yeah, and to bring back the the issue of the Bermuda Triangle and similar spots like that, like thinking about what could you know, anytime a flight goes missing mm-hmm. or uh, an aircraft. Well, it of doesn't any kind, happen very often, but yeah. But it happens. In and, theory. Well, we don't know. Well, it does happen because define missing, right? It goes, it takes flight and it doesn't land and there's no debris accounted for. Like that's happened. Well, there could be. We just didn't find it. But my point is because we didn't find it, the definition is missing. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not, that's not my arguing point. All I'm saying is like that's happened before. Yeah, things have gone missing yes. before. Yes, and so just because that's a real thing that has happened, and in my opinion, one time is enough times for that to be something that everyone to be like has the right huh. to freak the fuck out about. Seriously, okay. like you know, in these in these in these areas or whatever you want to call them, uh, to think that you could just get you don't you don't even know you just you get erased know. or whatever. You don't know. So that's another one which I think is interesting because. It's just interesting. Uh, Another one of the vile vortices is the Wharton Basin, which is of interest in relation to the Indian Ocean floor movement and adjacent fracture zones and the relationship between the Indian and Australian plates uh, and is one of a number of features of the Indian Ocean that has been studied extensively. However, its floor has not been charted since the 1960s and is not well known. So it's it's an instance where you have tectonic plates moving around yeah. and some weird things that might happen. At the bottom, yeah. At the bottom of the ocean. Is that what you're yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, we have an understanding of tectonic plates, but, like, do we really know how they work? No, because if we did, I don't know. Maybe we'd be able to tell when an earthquake's going to happen. I don't know. You know what I mean? 
Isn't that what a Richter scale is? No, that measures an earthquake. Seismic? Seismic. Whatever. Whatever. We're just like two we dummy dum-dums. We know dums. nothing. Yeah, we're like two dummy dum-dums talking about this. We're just like rattling off terms that we might have learned in like fifth grade. But I mean, you, you have a, a, a case under the ocean floor yeah. where you have a lot of energy happening with a lot of tectonic plates going on. Who knows what could go on? Well, you said that area hadn't been cased or measured since the 60s. Why is it's that? It's not. Well, I don't know. And how because often are bottom of the ocean areas measured? I don't, I don't know the answer to that. All I'm saying is the Wharton Basin is considered one of the vile vortices by Ivan, whatever his name is, because there have been some weird things. What those weird things are, I don't even know. Mm, okay. He's just citing it as one of the vile vortices, and it's tectonic plates. Easter Island. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's funny that you would consider the uh, Wharton Basin, but also... Easter Island, mm-hmm. right? Like, we don't know why. <laughs> he doesn't really... Maybe there's a book or something I can read because none of these seem very compelling. Uh, east of Rio de Janeiro. I don't know why. Uh, the Loyalty Islands. I don't know why. Uh, the North and the South Pole. Okay. And uh, barring the North and South Pole, the remaining 10 vile vortices are approx- approximately equidistant and are equally scattered in the two hemispheres on Earth. So there's two charts. I'll show you. Or there's like a bunch of them, but okay. they're basically, you know, they make like a pattern Whoa. on the earth. And this is what it looks like if it's flat. They're all like this. Wow. So interesting. Well, that's interesting. Interesting. But the earth does it flat. make any sense? I don't know. I just didn't know that there were other places that anyone considered to be a place of anomaly and had charted them on like a world map. Yeah. In any type of pattern, I was only really aware of the Bermuda Triangle and the Dragon's Triangle. Yeah, the, to see it all laid out like that is definitely something new yeah. and something that I haven't seen either. But it's also, it, that's like somebody being like, here's the Bermuda Triangle. Oh my God, here's Easter Island. Look at this, bitch. You like that meme where you're trying to connect all the dots on the map. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. But Does it make any sense? I don't know. But that's- That's for us that's to this, decide because we are the experts this here. This person's theory. But uh, the South Atlantic anomaly is pretty cool. And the, I would love to fall into a hole about that because that's I like that stuff. So, anyways, in that same episode, oh. what can I can I ask about a different ano- anomaly? The one that I think I heard when we were watching what the OPM ano- anomaly. Do you remember that overpriced memberships uh, for gyms? Guys, that is a, a serious anomaly. That is a real problem. Overpriced gym memberships, and you don't have to deal Why with it. Why do you do this? Because do what? ClassPass is here to help by taking all that hassle out. All you have to do, guys, is you sign up with ClassPass starting at $15 a month and you can cancel anytime. And then you get access to classes and gyms all over the place. That isn't just one place that you're paying an overpriced membership for. It's pretty great. If you want to learn to box, sign up for ClassPass. You'll get a boxing class somewhere near you or yoga or bar or spin or strength training. Whatever you whatever your goals are for the new year, let class pass help you guys you can get your first entire month free at classpass.com slash try slash jenna julian that's classpass.com slash try slash jenna julian or click the link down below they've got something for everyone like it's not just one gym or one style of training they have a big variety because not everyone's the same everyone has different goals everyone has different ways of achieving those goals and you know what if if you try class pass you never know what sort of new workout you might fall in love with and i think that's the beauty of something like this it's workouts and gyms and memberships made very easy for you so check it out click the link below also guys 
what you got to do now is since it's 2019 is you got to start feeding your pet better food. Okay. Cause whatever you're feeding, I'm not judging, but I know I talked to your dog and I think they, uh, they would appreciate some farmer's dog. Um, for whatever reason, there's marketing out there that convinces dog owners to feed their dogs highly processed kibble and nonsensical food like that. But the farmer's dog is here to be like, no, that's not what you're supposed to There's They want real food. So what you do is you go on thefarmersdog.com, okay? And you complete a short questionnaire about your pet or pets, their size, their eating habits, their what they like to eat, what they don't like to eat, when they eat. And the food arrives at your door. It's a customized meal plan of real whole foods made in little convenient pouches for your animal. You pull them out of the freezer, put them in the fridge the night before it defrosts, put it in their little bowl and they eat it up. They love it. They will like thank you so many times with kisses and and snuggles. So check it out by going to thefarmersdog.com slash and get 50% off your two-week trial of fresh, healthy food at thefarmersdog.com slash Jenna Julian. You and your puppy will be happy you made that switch. Also, guys, Postmates, for whatever you need delivered to your house, whether it's fast food or slower food or really slow food or groceries or something from the drugstore, Postmates is there to bring it for you. Um, it is a crazy, crazy convenient, simple app. You log onto the Postmates app on your phone, look through the restaurants in your area, choose from the menu, and then bam, a Postmate goes to pick it up and bring it to your door in no time. It is so convenient. They never take a day off. And you get $100 of free delivery credit during your first seven days when you sign up and use Jenna Julian as a code on the Postmates app. Check it out. Or you know what? Let's just say salads, all right? If you want to start the New Year's with some salads, they also deliver salads. But then next week, if you want some ramen, you can have that too. Check it out. Link below. Thank you, guys. Thank you, sponsors. So after I just showed you that map, I did recall that I have seen a map like that before on Ancient Aliens that was like gave me a similar feeling to where I was like, well, why are you connecting mm-hmm. those ones and not those ones? And it was a map of, I just found it, this is on vortexmaps.com, where they Bookmark connect it. yeah, they connect certain megaliths around the world globally that make this like lattice formation around the world. But like, why would you connect, okay, the Giza, the Great Pyramid of Giza, uh, Lake Baikal, USSR, many unique plants and animals. What? I, it sounds like you're just filling in a hole here. It's just that, that, Hudson that way, Bay. What you just said sounded the most <laughs> arbitrary thing I've ever heard. Right. But I mean, I have seen maps like that. I just hadn't seen one of the vile vortices. But uh, yeah, this I have seen ones, maps that connect um, megaliths before. Huh. All and, right. Yeah. Interesting. It is like, interesting to it think does, about. It makes yeah. a cool pattern. Not 100% sure how you... It doesn't spell out the word aliens or anything (laughs) like that, okay? It's just like a pattern of lines. It's interesting. It's interesting. Okay. Okay. Anyways, uh, also from Ancient Aliens episode talking about Earth's black holes. Yeah. This is actually cool, though. Uh, when, when scientists at the Department of Energy's SLAC National Accelerator Laboratory focused the full intensity of the world's most powerful X-ray laser on a small molecule, they got a surprise. A single laser pulse stripped all but a few electrons out of the molecule's biggest atom from the inside out, leaving a void that started pulling in electrons from the rest of the molecule, like a black hole gobbling a spiral disk of matter. 
within 30 femtoseconds, millionths of a billion, billionth of a second, the molecule lost more than 50 electrons, far more than scientists anticipated based on earlier experiments using less intense beams or isolated atoms. Then it blew up. So how intense were the x-ray pulses? Uh, they're about a hundred times more intense than what you would get if you focused all of the sunlight that hits the Earth's surface onto a thumbnail, said Elsie. Repeat that sentence, please. So the x-ray, basically, that they aimed at an atom, I yeah. think it was uh, iodine, I don't know. Okay. I'm not 100% sure. But they, they took a super strong x-ray, and they pointed it at an atom, and it basically started stripping electrons and then the electrons stripped other electrons or something like that. And it created like a little electromagnetic black hole. But so when they were trying to draw a comparison of what that, what that would be like in nature, like if that were to happen, it's if you focused all of the, all of the sunlight that hits the entire earth surface onto a thumbnail. Uh, so this is really super cool. They made an electromagnetic okay. black hole. But what's really cool about that and what the, the part of the episode was about, that in Einstein's theory, not just gravity, but any form of energy, if it's concentrated enough, could create a black hole. So you're thinking because they concentrated so much energy in one small, tiny atom, they created a black hole. Well, not you're thinking, but that's what, that's what happened. Right. I mean, that's kind of the theory that they showed was that they created an electromagnetic black hole. Like, yeah, it took a lot of energy it's not quite what they expected but in theory they created an electromagnetic black hole which a black hole in space when you think about it is like a gravity black hole. yeah yeah so it's like not even light can escape it's just sucking yeah. everything into and it. we're talking about like a molecular level so right because they're they're yeah. splitting it's one an atom, atom. Yeah. yeah um and so how did they explain at least how it manifested or how long it lasted it or blew up Oh, it just blew up. But like there was a, you said like there was a femtosecond yeah. of it existing as a black hole and then it blew up. Is that what happened? Yeah. I'm going to use femtosecond in my vocab, by the <laughs> please way. Do not, please do You're going to say, not. come home. I'll be like, please. I'll be there in a femtosecond. Yeah, babe. it said within 30 femtoseconds. 30. <laughs> I'm right around the corner. Be there in a femto. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I remember while I was watching the episode, I started laughing yeah. at the sentence in Einstein's theory, yeah. not just gravity, but any energy when concentrated enough can create a black hole. So like all y'all's energy that you be bringing into 2019, be careful. Okay. Because if it's it concentrated be, enough, you don't want to create no black hole, create a black hole. It's too but much isn't energy. that, it's also just like a fun metaphor of when you, when you talk about like the Twitter echo chamber of just like nonsense and, and garbage and people yeah. just yelling at each other. Like if y'all concentrate that energy enough, you go and create a black hole, which I'm pretty sure you did on Twitter. Hmm. Fun, right? It is fun. It's Anyways. like, it's like, it's like brain, brain candy. Fun. I'm just but it, thinking about it it's, now. It's, it's fun that it also supported Einstein's original theory, which was that any energy, not just gravity, if concentrated enough, could create a black hole, an electromagnetic black hole. So then, of course, Ancient Aliens takes this study and they're like, well... We're going to x-ray this atom. No, 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 no. In theory, <laughs> yeah. then, in theory, yeah. in like a very far-reaching theory... 
it's possible that electromagnetic black holes could exist on Earth, in space, in an ocean, in the Bermuda Triangle, like all these, you know, stories that people tell that we've talked about on the podcast in the past about, you know, I was just driving on the road and all of a sudden now I'm missing time. Is it possible that they're going through electromagnetic black holes? In various locations where there is concentrated enough electromagnetic energy activity. that have already created black holes that now just exist in Maybe. Spots. Well- Fun. It is fun because of it's the fun. fact, like, to go back to what I was saying, like, the first time I heard of, like, a plane or an aircraft just vanishing in air, like, where does your mind go, right? So, like, that is a cool explanation to think about, that there was a, you know, a collection yeah, well, I mean, there's of crazy amounts of, of energy. There's tons of theories about that kind of stuff, about the Bermuda Triangle of, like, a plane or, like, people that go through wormholes and, you know, just the fabric of time. Yeah. Really fun. It is fun. You don't have to think it's fun if you well, hate, I kinda, hate theories like this. Well, I kind of, I also kind of want to go. I want to deep dive into someone's experience of missing time. That is so fascinating to mm-hmm. me. You know what I mean? Like, what does that feel like? Does it feel like you just dreamed, or you mm-hmm. woke up from a dream, or you there's got lots of accounts? There's or? lots of accounts of people that you know describe them online, but it's hard to know which ones are real and which ones are yeah. not real. Okay. Next one. Yeah. This is probably my favorite new, it's not, It's. I guess it's a conspiracy theory. My favorite new conspiracy theory that I've been exposed to in recent memory. Brand spanking new. It's not new though. Brand new. It's off new the, to me. Hot off the press. No, it's new to me. Are you Hold ready? You just give me one femtosecond. I just got to check. Okay, we're good. <laughs> I regret ever saying that word out loud so you can use it. Okay. It's about the Sphinx's head. Okay, I've never been to Giza. I've never been to the pyramids. I have not seen them in person. I've only seen pictures and I've never questioned them because, you know, I just accept. Okay. Uh, Obviously, Ancient Aliens goes over Egypt and the pyramids a ton in their millions of seasons. But I was watching this episode where they sort of just mentioned something I had never heard before, which was, what the hell is wrong with the Sphinx's head in Giza? The body is huge. It's a lion. Okay. And then he's got this tiny ass head. And it Egyptians looks, never made anything look like that. Everything is like super beautiful and I know what you're talking about, yeah. So here, I'll show you this picture. This yeah. is the picture of the Sphinx. It looks like the dog sitting down with, with you know, their, it looks like a dog, the, the pose it's in, but it's... Well, hold on. I'm just trying to describe because it. Because it's widely it. accepted that it's a lion's body with a pharaoh head. Yeah. And they're, they're, yeah. So they're sitting like this, okay? Well, yeah, you can Google a picture of the Sphinx. Yeah, but, but it takes at least a couple of femtoseconds to Google it. <laughs> but, but look at the size of his head. Yeah, he's in like tiny head mode. <laughs> he's in tiny it's not head mode. Yeah. He's in tiny head mode. Yeah. Okay, so this is from ancientpages.com. I have the link okay. here. Here are his, I, I don't have the name of the writer, but he's from that website. Here are his gripes with, okay. and he's been there. The head size. Not that you need to go there in order to see it. Uh, the back is flat. Whoever saw no what, what? sorry I want to reference I'm just gonna look it on my phone Fem- yeah the back is flat okay whoever saw a lion with a flat back no big chest and no mane the sphinx is sitting in a deep hole in the ground why is that why is it not sitting somewhere up high so that it can show off there is a ruined temple right in front of the sphinx with a wall practically up against its nose no door in that wall why obstruct the view of the sphinx from the front like that. And if the temple was for worshiping the Sphinx, why is there no access from the temple to the Sphinx so that you can't even get to it? 
The pit in which the the Sphinx sits seems to be deeply eroded as if by flows of water. What caused all that? It looks as if water has poured down the sides. On the other hand, there is no such vertical erosion patterns on the Sphinx itself, which instead has clear horizontal erosion patterns. How can these two different patterns at right angles to each be reconciled? And what could possibly have caused either of them? So here's that person's theory. Because apparently there's been some talk of ancient rain that has caused this erosion of the lion of the Sphinx. Yeah. Uh, This person says, I do not believe that the Sphinx is 12,500 years old, nor do I believe in ancient rain. I do believe that the Sphinx is older than conventionally believed, but I do not believe it is thousands of years older or anything of that kind. I do believe there is water erosion at the Sphinx site, but I do not believe it had anything to do with ancient rain, nor do I believe that there's anything to be eroded at the time any ancient rain fell. The water of the Nile in those days, at the time of the inundation once a year, which no longer happens because of the Aswan Dam, came right up to the edge of the Sphinx Temple, where there are even quays in front of it. I don't know. What's a quay? I don't know what that is. I'm so very sorry. So what I believe happened was that the water of the Nile was let into the Sphinx Pit, which I now call the Sphinx Moat by some simple water-raising devices led along the narrow channel between the Sphinx Temple and the Valley Temple, the two structures in front of the Sphinx. And its flow was controlled by a series of sluices and water gates. I don't know what sluices either. I feel terrible. The reason why the temple wall is in front of the Sphinx is to act as the fourth barrier to the water. The reason why there is no door in the wall is because it would have let the water out. The horizontal erosion in the side of the Sphinx, where it's not covered by restoration stones, is because the Sphinx is sitting in the middle of a moat filled with water. The vertical erosion on the sides of the pit, especially on the south side, is because of the continual dredging of the moat due to the wind-blown sand accumulating there. Every time the moat was dredged, water poured down into torrents onto the sides, leading to vertical erosion, accentuating by the natural cavities in the limestone bedrock. So I think the Sphinx was, amongst other things, an island. Oh my God. This immediately solves the puzzle of the evidence recorded by the 5th century BCE Greek historian Herodotus, I'm so sorry, who said that King Cheops, I'm so sorry, let the water in from the Nile to surround an island at Giza. And here it is. Cheops's head, the size of a pimple, on the front of his large flat-backed lion surrounded by water. What's going on? Okay, so then there's this long, long story about, you know, the the guy that found the Sphinx. It was up to its neck in sand. And then, you know, the head that was currently on it, he thought was from the old ages, but it actually was from the middle ages. I don't know. It's a super long story. Basically, you can read about that if you want. You don't have to. Some say it's Cheops, King Cheops' head. Some say it's King Chephephren's head. But if you've ever seen King Chephephren's head on the statue of Cairo Museum, you know they look nothing alike at all. Blah, 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 blah. It's a long story. Anyways, the theory is that the original head of the Sphinx is Anubis. What does that mean? Anubis, the god. Hold on. Oh, Anubis. I thought you said is a... No. The Sphinx is crouching at the there at the entrance to the necropolis like a guardian. Well, there it is. He's a guard dog. The ancient Egyptians had a god called Anubis, who was a crouching wild dog, generally referred to as a jackal, although strictly speaking, there are no jackals in Egypt. And Anubis was really a wild dog speci- species, which is now extinct. So there's a drawing. This is really interesting to me because this is what it would look like 
if it had an anatomically correct size Anubis head, like a big dog head Mm -hmm. with that flat back, not like a lion. And then there's, hold on, I'll get to it. In figure one, I show the drawing where I commissioned, which not me, the author of this article, which shows how the recarved head of the Sphinx was carved out of the neck stump, which remained on the Sphinx after the original statue was mutilated by the rampaging mobs who smashed up everything they could on the Giza Plateau during the period of chaos known as the first intermediate period between 22,000 and 2000 BCE. So that's what the Sphinx would have originally looked like with its original head before King Cheops or King Chinifrin or somebody later on was like, make that big statue my head. So... The theory, Put my head on it. So the theory is that it got destroyed and then repurposed into, like reshaped yes. and re-sculpted into But wouldn't it head. make sense in original Egypt for it to be Anubis? So that, so this is just, this is arguing that the statue wasn't built in its, in its initial state like it is now. Correct. And that it's not a lion. It was built in a different way and, re, and restructured Yeah, that it's not it a lion at all. It's Anubis. Anubis. Because that makes a lot more sense. Well, the drawings... And there's also, like, a really interesting theory. There's tons of theories about what's under the Sphinx and, like, secret passages and tunnels. And some of them were made after, so you don't know what's what and blah, blah, blah. But there's also a theory that there's a second Sphinx somewhere because all of ancient Egypt was, like, really symmetrical for the most part. I like that theory, too, but I don't know anything about it, so I just threw it out there. (laughs) It was the easiest thing in the world to knock the ears and the nose off the Sphinx when the Sphinx was Anubis. You couldn't put them back because the Sphinx was carved out of solid bedrock and the pieces must have been smashed to bits anyways. So the later exhibitionist Pharaoh could even tell himself he was doing a pious act, restoring the statue by flaunting himself. Now we have a crouching Anubis as an island surrounded by a little lake. And at last we have something which students of the ancient Egypt texts can suddenly recognize. For the most ancient surviving Egyptian texts, known as the pyramid texts, often speak of a sacred place associated with the Giza necropolis called Jackal Lake. Here it is. Fun, right? Yeah. I think I think the most interesting part of this theory is that potentially people who have studied those pyramids and those formations for thousands and hundreds and whatever years mm-hmm. have been studying the wrong thing. Right. Well, that's like all of ancient aliens is like they have the all the pyramids wrong. They're not tombs. They're they're if you put like hydrochloric acid in this side and this gas in this side, you basically make a giant power thing. Like there's tons of theories about how they have everything wrong. But who knows? Well, yeah. I mean, I think like if you're to look at that statue, it looks bizarre, and you're like, what is that? Mm-hmm. Why is it? Why is the head smaller? Yeah. Why is the head a human on a dog or lion? Whatever. And it doesn't add up. So I think it's interesting to think about why it didn't last in its original state if its original state wasn't what it is now. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't know if that's something that people think or know of or like, you know, if you went to visit the Sphinx, if they were like, the original head is gone and this head is here, but we don't know what the original head was. So you don't even know what like is is taught. About the no, yeah, that, but I I personally yeah. did not ever hear of a theory that it was Anubis, and it's not a lion. I had yeah. always been taught that it was a giant lion. The island thing is kind of whatever to me. I think that's just kind of reaching because I feel like whatever lines or, or markings that they attribute to it being underwater. Well, I mean, you can see there's 
like on the walls of like the pit of where it's sitting, there's water erosion. You can tell. Yeah. You know, and it's just it's just a weird thing. Yeah. It's kind of just a weird like that's the whole argument for the pyramids. It's like, well, if they were built as tombs, you know, as people have told us they were, mm-hmm. why didn't you find anything? Why are there like in all of Egypt there's all these hieroglyphics like everywhere, everything's beautiful, like and inside the pyramids there's nothing. Yeah. There's no writing on the walls there's no they never recovered any bodies of kings and jewels and you know yeah but they theorized that people went in there and ransacked everything but still why is there no beautiful writing on all the walls like they have in all the temples and everything i don't know man whatever okay i just thought it was really interesting because i had never heard that the sphinx might actually in theory be anubis Mm -hmm. nor have i i thought it was really I mean, Fun. if you're to look up the image, right, um, we can try to link it, but what is the website again? Ancient Pages. Yeah, so if you look up that image, it does like the, sh- the shape of the Yeah, the animal. article is called, What Was the Sphinx and What's Wrong with Its Body and Head? Yeah, it looks more <laughs> normal with the mock-up of the tall ears and the long snout. Mm-hmm. Like it looks, and the flat it looks back. Like it's, yeah, the flat back, because that's how, you know, that's how I feel like it, the statue, the rest of the statue looks already. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that was really fun and one of my favorite newer things that I've learned that I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Because it, who knows? It could have been a lion and that could be its original head for all I know. I don't know. I just was always taught in school that it was a giant lion, you know? Yeah. Anyways. I don't remember what I was taught. Okay. You have one more? Two. But oh. the last one's really short. Oh, yeah. Go for it. Uh, this again, take it with a grain of salt, whatever it is. Okay. For decades, Americans were told that area 51 didn't really exist and that the U S government had no official interest in aliens or UFOs. Everyone that really believed this stuff were of like tinfoil hat people for a really long time. The Pentagon officially confirmed that there was in fact a $22 million government program to collect and analyze anomalous aerospace threats. It's UFOs. And they released that information in December of 2017, like literally last year. Uh, December 2017 is when the Pentagon actually admitted to this existing, but all of us have been aware of it, right? Everybody knew what Area 51 was and, you know, speculated what went on there. So ancient alien theorists have called this a smokescreen to divert attention away from areas 52, 53, 54. Who knows? Right? Right? So uh, most people are familiar with Area 51. Some conspiracies surrounding it include the storage, examination, reverse engineering of crashed alien spacecraft, including materials supposedly recovered at Roswell, the study of their occupants, living and dead, like gray aliens if they had one, you know, whatever. And uh, the manufacture of aircraft based on alien technology. Uh, people think that maybe there were meetings or joint undertakings with extraterrestrials, the development of exotic energy weapons for the Strategic Defense Initiative, SDI, or other weapons programs, the development of means of weather control, the development of time travel and teleportation technology, the development of unusual and exotic propulsion systems related to the Aurora program, activities related to a supposed shadowy one-world government or the Majestic 12 organization, Many of the hypotheses concern underground facilities at Groom or Papoose Lake, also known as the S4 location, 8.5 miles south, and include claims of a transcontinental 
underground railroad, railroad system, a disappearing airstrip named the Cheshire Airstrip after Lewis Carroll's Cheshire Cat, which briefly appears when water is sprayed onto its camouflaged asphalt and engineering-based uh, alien technology. Uh, publicly available satellite imagery, however, has showed that there's no Cheshire Cat airstrip. Anyways, what I saw in this episode was about the transcontinental underground mm-hmm. railroad situation going on under Area 51. And um, there are people that have hypothesized that it existed. And I thought that was cool, you know, but where does all the dirt go? Just like everybody else. If you're building this gigantic underground facility under Area 51 or other places, how can we just teehee where the government cover up that we're like digging miles and miles and miles underground? Like that would look like an enormous construction site, no? Maybe. Well, so here. Well, this is the theory. Let's do it. Uh, Until I heard this theory on the show from a miner in Nevada, specifically Rachel Nevada, outside of Area 51, at the Tempute mine that claims the government is using a process called heap leaching to get rid of the dirt. His name is... Heap leaching. Heap, like a big heap, like a pile. Leaching. Christian, Christian Grineau... He's a mine owner north of Area 51. He says, uh, the Area 51 you see on Google Images is the 50s, 60s, and 70s. They are underground now. So even if you were looking at them from a satellite image, you wouldn't know they're building underground. So where is the dirt going? He claims that it's going into nearby mines, like the Tempute Mine, and using heap leaching, which is they pile up the ore into a large mountain in the nearby mines hundreds of feet high, and then they run hoses through it every two feet or so, and they leach in mercury and cyanide, and it takes boulders and basically breaks them down into nothing. What the hell? Yeah, but I think you're left over. All of my minor friends in the comments, you if you want to help chime in, I don't fully understand this process, but I think what you're, like the process was originally developed to take, you know, enormous pieces of rock. You take cyanide and... uh mercury dangerous chemicals and you inject them into this rock and it you're left with the natural ore so like gold silver and all that but it just breaks down completely yeah but what you'd be left with is the things you're looking for but it's controversial in that you're probably gonna poison some drinking water you know you're probably gonna destroying shit tons of land yeah um i don't know a ton about it but that's just what this guy claims Mm -hmm. Um, and to arouse no suspicion of the local miners, uh, they take all the gold and the silver and you know whatever is left over from yeah. the heap leaching, and they give it to the local local miners as hush money, basically. And and what in their end of the deal, like the, what they're getting out of it, is they get to secretly do all this underground construction and yeah. digging and exploring. Yeah, well, because you know, in the middle of Nevada. This what? is all in theory. None of this. Well, no. When does this supposedly take place? Like right when? now. Oh, that's hard to believe well, that they're giving people gold as hush money right now. Like, well, maybe not gold. Maybe silver. I don't know. Well, so listen. But even anything is hush money. Well, listen. So if you're the government, right, and you're taking just mass quantities of dirt underground, mm-hmm. and you're doing this process yeah. in these places where. There's not a lot of people living, you know, in this big, vast... Yeah, it's like the desert. Right. The only people 
because you, you can't see them from the sky or from the ground, you're you know none the wiser. Yeah. Yeah. The only people that could catch on to this is the people that work in the local mines, mm -hmm. and they're aware of you taking all this dirt and heap leaching it. So the only people that you would need to hush up are the people that are aware of that. Hmm. Have there any been mysterious disappearances among miners? I don't, I don't think so. But basically they, they had this person, Christian Grineau, on the show, and he said, I've seen other miners take hush money and they, they don't have a problem with it. You know? Interesting. I, I don't know. I, I just would... The only thing that I found interesting was that Okay, all of that's fine. You know, maybe the government's building this big thing underground, whatever. I did not know that heap leaching was a thing that existed, that you could take gigantic quantities of dirt or rock and shrink them down into nothing. I did not know that was a thing. With science. With science. Um, okay, so that's only the beginning, though, because there are people that claim that there's trains that go all the way to Cheyenne Mountain in Colorado Springs, which is a mountain hollowed out by the U.S. military, according to them, uh, to Dolce, New Mexico, Los Alamos, Albuquerque, Roswell, and Area 51, and that they're all connected underground. Hmm. And that is currently operational. It's a theory. Wow. What people, I mean, the reason they had the this as a segment on the show mm -hmm. was because of the disclosure by the Pentagon in 2017 that Area 51 does in fact exist. And, you know, you guys were all right. Yeah, we were lying. We were hiding it because there it's a smokescreen for people to focus on what is or what isn't actually at Area 51 so that they could continue Secretly building a train. And secretly building a train choo -choo. underground. Choo -choo. Serves them in what purpose? I don't know. Transporting things around the southwest of America. I guess that so. no one else is supposed to see. I guess so. Or, or spread them out. avoiding airfare and lines at TSA. Because they can travel. <laughs> right? I guess so. It was a joke, but yeah. Uh, the, uh, the only takeaway that I th found was interesting was that I, I did not know that you could do a process like that to get rid of mass quantities and of rock. The, the, what is the process called again? Heap leaching. And where did that come from? Mining. Like, so where, like, what is the source for heap leaching? Like miners are aware of that process or they yeah. were exposed so to I it? I looked it up just for a minute. Sorry, I'm not an expert on any of these things. I'm just telling no. you things I found interesting. Heap leaching i looked up on wikipedia from what i read is was like a breakthrough in mining you know because it's pretty awesome but it's also kind of controversial i can see that yeah. and that there are apparently like some mines yeah it says examples uh for okay let me read you this fort belknap montana Located on the Fort Belknap Indian Reservation, the Zortman Landusky Gold Mine in Montana was one of the many early heap leaching mines that experienced problems with spills and contamination of surface and groundwater. Although the leaks happened in the 1980s, the mine was eventually shut down in 1996. Health problems on the reservation persist and is not all of the mine was properly cleaned up, could potentially cause further damage of the people of Fort Belknap. Uh, Zortman Landusky eventually filed bankruptcy when the Bureau of Land Management stepped in to, to assist the lawsuit that was not heard by the residents of the reservation. Once the bankruptcy was filed, however, all health care and studies ceased and compensation for the destruction of the culturally significant mountain peaks to the local 
Assiboine and Gross Venture people was never achieved. Today, there are still abnormally high reports of health problems, including thyroid problems, lead poisoning, chemical burns, and emphysema, especially in children. Hmm. Sounds intense. Yeah. So this says, in the United States, the general mining law of 1872 gave rights to explore and mine on public domain land. The original law did not require post-mining reclamation. Mine land reclamation requirements on federal land depended on state requirements, blah, 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 blah. Currently, mining on federal land must have a government-approved mining and reclama reclamation plan before mining can start. Yeah, so I'm not sure if you can... If it's actually legal or whatever. If it, you know, I don't think it's illegal, <laughs> but I think that there are some problems. Yeah. It says heat bleaching mining works well for large volumes on, of low-grade ores as reduced... <clears throat> okay, yeah. So I think it's a thing yeah. that no, just exists, yeah. but, but it can be really dangerous. And it sounds like it's been theorized to be the method of which the government might be digging underground. Mm -hmm. But it's it's a it's a thing that mining companies use because it's extremely effective. Wow. It's interesting. I had no idea that was a thing. Right? Heap leaching. I didn't know it was a thing either. Yeah. Why are you screaming at me? Anyways, take that <clears throat> for what you will. So the last theory mm -hmm. of fun. This is interesting. Uh, UFO theorists have theorized for 10 years that it existed, and in 2017, it was admitted by the government that the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, or ATIP, did in fact exist. The project was funded by Congress in from 2007 to 2012, even though there's people that believe that it's still going on or something similar is going on, um, with the help of Senator Reed of Nevada, and involved a private company, Bigelow Industries, which is the first time that that's ever happened because usually, you know, if they're, wow, they're investigating aerospace, you know, threat identification, that's something that the Pentagon or, you know, government would handle and they wouldn't involve a private company like Bigelow Industries. Yeah. And so people were like, why would you do that? Mm -hmm. uh, so if you take projects that are developing from the Pentagon and you move them into private industry, you remove the Freedom of Information Act. Yes, which I remember this. If, if there's a government program going on, anybody can fill out a form and request information on any government program. But if you're a private industry, you do not have to adhere to this because according to exemption number four involving trade secrets, like Bigelow Industries, you don't have to share any information with anybody. This so, is crazy to me. So this like makes, SpaceX and like that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, if they're yeah. doing stuff, not any they don't have to adhere to as the as long as they're privately owned. Uh Freedom of Information Act. That is such an interesting thing though, because yeah. that's a means, fun legal loophole. Well, that means that in in an attempt to preserve trade secrets or whatever they call it, you're now giving private companies all this freedom to do research whatever they want, do research, whatever they want. Do whatever they want. And it ain't nobody's business. But that's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. That that's an actual legal loophole. Yeah. So I mean, obviously there's people that go wild with that theory and that they're doing this and that and this and that. You know, theorize whatever you want. But I, I think it is interesting. It is definitely interesting that, that like the SpaceX thing that you told me the other day, you're like, you know, SpaceX it's is a privately private company. owned. Yeah. yeah. So they they they're not they are not subject to having to give over well, anything. I think they're subject to some things, but they're not subject to the Freedom of Information Act. Which means that they can keep their secrets in a vault, pretty much. And whatever they're doing, right? And whatever they're working on or 
researching or well i'm sure they're subject to a lot of things just not the freedom of information act hmm pretty cool it is pretty cool anyways those are those are some fun things that i found that i thought were interesting and they mean absolutely nothing well, they mean what they, I don't know. They mean what you want them to mean or, or want to think about. Like I think more more of these, I just like thinking about stuff. Yeah, I think these are all really good for just thinking about and letting your your kind of your imagination, for lack of a better word, like kind of run wild with it. Because I feel like there's a lot of situations where you you know you learn one new thing about I don't know mining or space or the Bermuda Triangle, and it starts to take on a whole new meaning for you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's cool about yeah. these. I do really like that Sphinx theory, though, that it is actually Anubis. I think that's... Yeah, what do you th- but what do you think that like that represented then? Like, Well, it's Anubis guarding the necropolis. It, it makes sense that the Egyptians would have built that. Like, obviously, the head is something different. Mm-hmm. But I was always taught it was a lion. But that doesn't even make any sense. Huh. It's like, I don't know. Yeah. Of course it's not. Of course it's Anubis. Of course it's not a lion. Like well, it doesn't look anything like a lion. Well, there's no not other like lions. Like a lion. There's no other lions there, I don't think. Yeah, like what meaning would a lion have, have even had? Well, on? they would probably build a giant statue of their god, right? Of one of their gods. Like all the hieroglyphics and everything that they did. Yeah. Was, you know, just beautiful pictures of their gods and their religion and their people. And then this one random giant lion. Giant ass lion. Right place at the right time. Lion got a sculpture made. <laughs> he just rolled through town. Came a legend. That's cool though. Thank you for well, sharing these nuggets of conspiracy. Yeah. Wait, I want to. I'm kind of curious now. About what? I just butchered that spelling. Sphinx. Ouch. Ooh, how do you spell Sphinx? S P Y S P H Y S P H I N X I Y. Yeah, it says a Sphinx is ancient Greek plural Sphinxes or Sphinges. Sphinges <laughs> is a mythical creature with the head of a human and the body of a lion. In Greek tradition, it has the head of a human and the haunches of a lion, and is sometimes wings of a bird. So even the word sphinx, even what we've been calling it, means the head of a human and the body so, of a lion. So that definition of a sphinx could potentially be like based on something that wasn't even... Well, um, yeah, it's clearly somebody was like, oh, dude, that's a sphinx. That's crazy. Like, because the, the sphinx, so to speak, or the human head on the lion body happened because of an event where someone the head just, might have gotten destroyed. Yeah, well, someone discovered it, and they were just like... That's a sphinx. Yeah, that's a sphinx. That's crazy. Yeah. So it was probably, if you will... Or maybe they renamed it. It was probably built it. in a different way or shape or form. Yeah, they, well, yeah, they renamed it after that the guy was like, put my head on there. Now it's a sphinx. Now it's a sphinx. But like the, the whole thing was a different thing with a whole different meaning beforehand. Yeah. Damn, dude. Well, people here's out the... here, People be out here making fake definitions for things they don't even know shit about, dog. <laughs> well, now I'm looking at the, the sphinx Wikipedia page of, of Egypt. 
Yeah, it says, cut from the bedrock, the original shape of the Sphinx has been restored with layers of blocks. It measures 73 meters, blah, blah, blah. It's, it is the oldest known monumental sculpture in Egypt and is commonly believed to have been built by ancient Egyptians of the Old Kingdom during the reign of Pharaoh Khafre. Construction, origin, and identity. <whistles> commonly used name Sphinx was given to it in classical antiquity about 2,000 years after the commonly accepted date of its construction by reference to a Greek mythological beast with a lion's body. Y'all really just be out here making up names, dude. Way after it was built. 2,000 years. Mm -hmm. Damn. Some early Egyptologists and excavators of the Giza pyramid complex believe that the Great Sphinx and associated temples to predate the fourth... Okay. Yeah, okay, so people are saying it's older, but where's where's people being like, whose head is that? Whose head was originally on it, you know? Like, I want to fringe hypotheses, Orion cor correlation theory. Why is that fringe? The, the pyramids line up with the constellation of Orion at this time. At what time? In relative positions occupied by the, these stars, uh, yeah. The authors argue that the geographic relationship of the Sphinx, the Giza pyramids, and the Nile directly corresponds with Leo, Orion, and the Milky Way, respectively, sometimes cited as an example of pseudo-archaeology. The theory is at variance with mainstream scholarship. Okay. On Wikipedia, it says this is a, a fringe hypothesis, the Great Sphinx as Anubis. Author Robert K. G. Temple proposes... That the Sphinx was originally a statue of the jackal dog Anubis, the god of the necropolis, and that the face was recarved in the like, likeness of a Middle Kingdom pharaoh, Amenhemet II. Temple bases his identification on the style of the eye makeup and the style of the pleats on the headdress. Interesting. So that's on Wikipedia, meaning that it's not that, like. But it's a. It's according to Wikipedia, it's a, a theory. fringe theory. But what is a? Uh, it's I don't a fringe know. theory to a theory. A theory is a theory, in my opinion. I mean, at least with stuff like this, I, I don't know. I don't know what fun. the fuck I'm talking about, but I don't know why. Like, can't, I, why can't it just be a theory? Yeah, that's my question too. <laughs> that's my question too. Like it maybe is. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's like afraid the the, the writers they're of not that trying theory, to offend anybody. Yeah, or yeah, exactly. They're trying to preserve whatever that mm. sphinx or statue had meant to certain people or whatever. Totally. Anyways, fun. Really fun. I like fun. Damn, we covered a, a wide range of things today. Mm -hmm. we and went just, all the way from sphinxes just remember, to space. Okay, to according plates. to Einstein's theory, if any energy, not just gravity, including Aries is, energy, is concentrated enough, you can't create I might, an Aries I might, black hole. I might create a black hole <laughs> at some point. So if 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 you don't see me, I'll be in my black hole <laughs> in a in a femtosecond. I'll be I'll be back and be a femtosecond. Hold on a second. We're getting back. Sick. Okay. <laughs> okay. Cool. Well, uh, thank you guys for hanging out for uh, the Conspiracy Sphinx Femtosecond Tectonic Plates Atom Splitting Podcast. We hope you enjoyed <laughs> your time. We're so knowledgeable. Things. You know what? If you wanted to find knowledge, you could go to places on the internet for knowledge. You come here because we're we'll give them the to opposite in a of knowledge. We are not knowledge. <laughs> Anyway, thank you guys for hanging out. Um, have a great week. We'll see you next week. We'll talk about we'll talk about all sorts of stuff. We'll be right back in a femtosecond. See you later. Bye.